Coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast, it's the Super Bowl, the Patriots versus the Eagles. If you're bleeding green, James, then you're going to die quite soon anyway, I would I would venture. I kind of hope that it ended up lost for good after I said it. Because, you know, whenever I talk about special teams and the Eagles, it just brings up bad memories of Mark Spicco. <laughs> and you know no podcast will get more thorough than the Next Fan Up show. My underwear tends to be, you know white like Jay's used to be. I don't know why your underwear turned gray. Okay, that might be too much information, but it's the Super Bowl. Here we go! Listen. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You play to win the game. Next fan up. I want winner. Featuring Pod Vader and the Superfans. They are who we thought they were. Hello and welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the Next Fan Up Podcast. Hello, everybody. It's Pod Vader, and it's always a fun episode to do because, I mean, frankly, how many of these have I done where the Patriots haven't been in the Super Bowl? I think it's only been one, right? Three years? Yeah, there's only been one where the Patriots weren't in the Super Bowl. So it's a good time uh, for me, and I bring in the super fans to break it all down, and you know there's no other podcast that's going to go more in-depth on the matchups of this game than the next Fan Up show. So uh, we will start across the pond with our Redskins super fan. Big news in Washington, Neil. Yeah, is there? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> Just... I'm only here, not for the Washington news, uh, Jay. I'm only here to find out what you're going to be wearing on Super Bowl night. Because I'm sure oh. at some point you burned a whole load of stuff. I haven't burned anything. I would never, never <laughs> think to do anything like that. Our other Thursday regular represents half of the Super Bowl matchup. It is our Eagles super fan, James. Hello, James. Hey, Pod. Hey, Neil. Hey, guys. Just cautiously optimistic as I've been all week, staying calm and somewhat level-headed. So fly equals fly. Uh, I have a feeling that is about to get thrown right out the window because my tag team partner, the Patriot super fan, Patrick, is here with us this week. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Jay. It's good to be on another one of these podcasts. You know, I've been a super fan since 2011. It feels uh, like it's no longer deja vu. This is just like brushing my teeth in the morning doing these podcasts with you. That's right. That's right. Uh, you can send us your emails, nextfanup at gmail.com. We'll get to a couple of them later on because we do have a couple of emails to respond to. Uh, so nextfanup at gmail.com is the way to get to us. You can tweet us at NFU Podcast. Uh, we are active on Twitter. And if, uh, if we don't respond to you directly from the Next Fan Up account, I'm sure one of our super fans have talked to you over the days like at buffalo underscore sauced or at neil salmon 71 um these are some of our more active super fans on the twitter so you can reach out to us there and of course all of our podcasts are available on facebook facebook.com slash nfu podcast we have a website i don't even know what's going on over there but hopefully we'll get that uh fixed for the upcoming season um all right, I think there's only one way to do this, and that's to just jump right in. It is Super Bowl 52, the Philadelphia Eagles at the New England Patriots in Minnesota. New England opened up as a six-point favorite. They're now down to only a four-point favorite. I'm reading stuff online about how the Patriot money just hasn't come in quite yet. Sounds like a lot of the sharps are waiting 
for that line to maybe get even smaller by Sunday. Uh, but who cares about the line? Because, Patrick, we know it's pretty much all said and done. The Patriots have already won. Yeah, Patriots are going to win by a field goal because that's just what they do in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's kind of a recurring theme. Makes for a really exciting game with a very predictable outcome. James, it seems like your fans have uh, been putting a lot of money already on the on the Eagles. It looks like that's uh, where all the buys are going right now. And probably should. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the line opening up and shrinking down. We all know why the line has shrunk over the last week or so. And once said player, who we'll talk about shortly, is out of the concussion protocol, I'm pretty sure the line is going to go back up. Uh, I guess we'll start there. Uh, Patrick, uh, he's referring to Gronk, Mr. Rob Gronkowski, who earlier this week was uh, playing the Madden video game against his former teammate, LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, I tweeted out, I really hope the flashing video game lights don't cause a setback in the concussion protocol for Mr. Gronkowski. Um, it is pretty much... I mean, at this point, I believe there's a prop bet still open. So if you can go, go put as much money as you want right now. Rob Gronkowski will be playing in the Super Bowl. Will Rob Gronkowski be medically cleared to play? Minus 150, yes. Plus 120 is no. Uh, What say you, Patrick? I mean, I guess signs point to yes if he's playing video games and doing doing press. Like, I, I believe he wasn't made available for questions to the media, but like, by the team, <laughs> like Rob Gronkowski, if there's a microphone around, he's gonna find it. So, um, yeah, if he were, if he had a legit head issue, he'd probably be here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts getting care or resting. But he's not. He's he's with the team. He's attending practice. Uh, reports have said that as well. Uh, on days where there isn't a practice report, he attends practice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's probably gonna play. Um, I mean, I hope so. Obviously, I hope so, because Tom Brady is a, is a different machine when Rob Gronkowski's on the field. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about exactly what the strengths of the Patriots offense is. You know, full. Uh, I'll give you guys a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, Patrick and James actually recorded 47 minutes of a super fan battle that uh, unfortunately did not sound very good, which is why they're both here with us today. And Patrick, you mentioned, you know, Gronk and those running backs are part of what Tom Brady does so well and will be important to do in this particular matchup. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Tom Brady's preference, uh, if anybody watches the Patriots games and over the last 15 or so years, and I imagine most people have, you know, his, his preference is to kill you in the middle of the field. It's what he's the best at. It's what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady. So throw him between the hashes uh, to – you know, maybe Rob Gronkowski, head injury notwithstanding, on a skinny slant like that, or skinny post rather, that'd be pretty awesome. Maybe some slant routes from uh, from our shifty little wide receivers um, or, you know, option routes that tend to go inside. Uh, and if all else fails, just dish it off to one of your backs till we get out of the backfield or split out wide. Um, love to do that too. So the irony there is like the weakness of the, of the Eagles defense, I suppose, is their corners. Um, but you know, our strength is the middle. So I think that's where we attack. 
Uh, according to PFF, the Eagles had seven players with 20 plus pressures during the regular season. That's the most in the NFL, James. Uh, they also, their top six defenders in pressures were former first or second round picks. Brandon Graham leads the troop with 60. Chris Long has 52. Fletcher Cox has 50. Vinnie Curry has 47. Derek Barnett, 37. Timmy Jernigan, 23. Bo Allen, 21. All these guys are D linemen, though, James. Can you get enough pressure on Brady without using a linebacker? That's the plan going in. Uh, it's been working all season up to this point. I believe there was only one game where uh, Swartz pretty much bit the bullet and actually sent linebackers on blitzes. That was the Sunday night game against Seattle uh, just to get to Russell Wilson because he kept escaping the pocket. We know Tom Brady's not Russell Wilson as far as athletic ability. He's going to be on one spot. He's not. He's not going. To, he doesn't have this capability to do what Wilson does. And if he does get outside the pocket, he's going straight towards the sideline. I don't expect to see him turn up field and try to challenge linebackers um, head on. Uh, he, he will pretty much slide almost immediately. Uh, the like you mentioned, the D line. Seven names have pretty much been monsters all season. Uh, each of them with at least three sacks on the year minimum. Uh, they present problems in a number of different ways, whether on the outside or up the middle. But playing this Patriots defense, you have to get pressure up the middle, and that starts with Jernigan, Allen, and, of course, Fletcher Cox, uh, the man amongst men, as I call him, um, in the middle. He he draws so much attention. I know the Patriots, pretty much what they like to do on both sides of the ball is take away what you do best. And while we're getting contributions from pretty much everybody at every level of this defense, Fletcher Cox will be the focal point of the Patriots to try to neutralize him, which means our ends, Graham, Barnett, um, Vinny Curry, and Chris Long will have to pick up the slack and get more pressure on the outside to force Brady into Bo Allen and Tim Jernigan when they're on the field and shut those things down, especially the running games. Uh, one thing we mentioned on the podcast that, you know, pretty much didn't turn out too well. Sound quality was something the Falcons did against us in the divisional round was pitch the ball outside. They didn't run too much up the middle. A lot of their success in the running game came from pitch outs and crashing down on the defensive ends to pinch them in and uh, outflanking us on the edge. That's the, pretty much the way you're going to get your running game going against the Eagles. If the linebackers can compensate for the defensive ends being taken out, then you can get seven, eight, nine yards to pop on the running plays. If you're trying to force that thing up the middle, five yards max, and most of the times it's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. And if you can live with three yards in a cloud of dust to try to keep us, you know, you know, keep us stagnant as far as the pass rush, that's probably your best bet. Uh, but again, this D line is too good, and the linebackers fill. So any, anything inside the tackles, inside the hashes that doesn't go outside, is pretty much playing into the teeth of this defense. Patrick, let's talk a little bit about that offensive line then. Uh, Nate Solder has had what many Patriot fans would consider a down year uh, for him. Joe Tooney has been okay at left guard. David Andrews is sort of a mixed result. Uh, Shaq Mason is generally accepted as the best offensive lineman at right guard. And then at right tackle, you're going to see a combo of Cam Fleming and Ladrian Waddle. Uh, not exactly... Um, guys that are going to be starters on very many other offensive lines. So the Patriots are going to have to rely a little bit on uh, Gronk and Devlin, the fullback and those running backs to maybe chip away at that defensive line. 
Maybe. Are you, are we more concerned about pressure coming off the edge where you would have a chip, or are we more concerned about pressure coming up over Andrews, uh, which I think is far more disruptive and happens far more frequently, in which case you don't have somebody there that can help you. Maybe a back can come up in, in like, uh, in very aggressive foot uh, pickup, uh, but you're not leaving Gronk in for that. <laughs> Right, and I think that's the bigger concern. If if Gronk is on the field, he should be running routes to neutralize the pass rush, not to not to stay in and help protect. No, but I would see the Patriots maybe trying to double team on the inside, especially Fletcher Cox, Neil's favorite uh, player of all time, uh, and and require a little bit more help on the outside just to give Brady a little bit more time to find that underneath crossing route to Danny Amendola or even to the running back who just hit the chip, whether it's White or Burkhead or Lewis. Yeah, maybe, and I've seen them do that before. It just bugs me because you're you're neutralizing your own best offensive weapon when you do that. Mm. Um. Let's talk a little bit about your secondary there, uh, Mr. James, because the the key will be um, what can Brandon Cooks do for New England? You know, I know Patrick has talked about his frustration with watching Brady trying to hit the deep ball, but uh, their game plan against the aggressive Jacksonville Jaguars was to get those pass interference calls, and they got quite a few of them in that. AFC Championship game. And it's going to be on Darby and Mills to recognize, you know, when Cook is in front of them, probably give them a little bit more of a cushion. Uh, Mills is probably the faster of the two. Uh, Darby, more physical of the two. And ideally, you want Mills and Cook to at least match up with that speed. And hopefully, the hand fighting doesn't go the way of the Patriots. Um, and, you, you know, you can maintain a tight coverage. So a lot of those deep passes that frustrate Patrick continue to frustrate Patrick. And uh, we, we don't get flagged or Cooks doesn't come down with the ball. Safety over the top, excuse me, McLeod will be key in that as well, recognizing the deep balls. Um, where I think Cooks will probably do more damage, though, is not so much the straight, you know, deep corners, deep posts, or just go routes. It's going to be routes that involve the double move. Um, if they just come out in, you know, one second snap to throw and Tom Brady's getting the ball out of his hands and completing passes and it frustrates these corners and they will start coming up to try to jam or anticipate the immediate quick route, whether it's the in-out or the slant. And a double move will pretty much destroy the secondary. They've been susceptible to it all year. I'm surprised neither Minnesota or Atlanta did it to us in either playoff game. Uh, I do. I mean, I realize both games are outdoors. It was cold. The wind was a factor in one, not so much in the other. But they didn't really take advantage of any double moves on the outside, and that's pretty much where New England's going to have the best chance with Cooks to take advantage of Barbie and Mills. If you play, if you run straight up routes with no extra movement, sound in their technique, uh, they'll be there at the point of the catch. There won't be many yards after the catch because they are both pretty solid tacklers. But if you can get them on double moves as far as peaking in the backfield and hit the goal route right behind it, then it, it's it's lights out. And it doesn't, t- you know, Brady's capable of doing that and doesn't take like a deep throw downfield, something 20 yards in the air max. It, 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 a step is all you need. Cooks definitely has the speed to do it. 
Patrick, before we flip the script and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles offense, you had mentioned in that lost audio podcast about how the Patriots special teams plays perfectly in their offensive game plan and having consistency at the kicker position in particular uh, is really what's helped the Patriots dominate these, you know, decades. You know, Jay, I kind of hope that ended up lost for good after I said it because, you know, whenever I talk about special teams and the Eagles, it just brings up bad memories of Mark <laughs> Spicco. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, you got to you gotta give the devil its due sometimes, right? So kickers are boring. People hate kicking, right? But this is a game of scoring points, and you score points largely based off of field position, right? So a couple of things about the Patriots' um, offense. Well, well, let's talk about the Patriots in general, right? So we we talk a lot about the continuity of Brady and Belichick and how that's contributed to their success because they've been together for so long. And then that sometimes it gets extended to include Drew Bledsoe, right? Like we have this continuity of quarterbacks, and they've had top-quality quarterback play for decades. Well, in 1996, we got a kicker named Adam Vinatieri uh, who stayed with the team for a decade, right, and then was replaced by Stephen Gostowski, arguably a better kicker, who's been around longer, right? So you've got some extreme continuity in the kicking game. And where that helps you offensively is that the Patriots' offensive strategy, you know, typically is to methodically move down the field, you know, six, seven, eight yards at a go, um, and get close enough to be in scoring position where they get pretty conservative, right? And you can get into scoring position pretty quickly if you have a kicker that, one, has a decent leg, and two, you have confidence in his ability to kick uh, with accuracy, with frequency, right? So as soon as you cross the 50, you can start, you know, tightening it up a bit and playing a little bit more conservatively because you have a high degree of faith that you're going to walk away with three points, right? It means fewer turnovers, which means more scoring. Um, And most NFL games are are won by a score, you know, a field goal or, or a touchdown, right? So if you can score more frequently, more reliably, I mean, it's not rocket science. Like you're, you're in a far better position than your, than your opponent. You, you just have to string together a long enough drive that you can move the ball far enough that your kicker can get a kick. And you're usually talking like maybe 30 yards, right? So three first downs, you should be good for a score if you have a reliable kicker. So, James, you mentioned earlier the Patriots, their game plan is to take away the thing that you do best. And when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, Neil, my researcher in the back, has given me this lovely stat. When LeGarrette Blount and Jay Ajayi gain 100 scrimmage yards combined, the Eagles are 7-0 and this year. Yeah, taking away the running game is going to be key, but, I mean, that's almost every team's uh, tactic as far as winning, you want to make the quarterback. Um, and I, and we all know the knocks on Nick Foles since his breakout year of 27 and two and the erratic play he's had since both in with the Rams and the chiefs and even towards the end of the regular season and maybe even that first game against Atlanta probably weren't ideal um, situations or, or, or performance outcomes for him. But, you know, he's at this point now because, of his relentless pursuit of getting better day in, day out. He has a rapport that started when he was scouted by Peterson when both were formerly in Philadelphia before Andy Reid was let go. And what the Eagles have done, especially the offensive coaching staff, Peterson and Frank Reich, 
particularly is figure out in that bye week, which is so essential, um, the things in our offense that fit Nick Foles. And, and this is something that I gripe about probably more in the offseason than almost anything else is when teams start signing backup quarterbacks to their veterans. You sign a guy whose skill set is the complete opposite of your starter, who you've built an offensive game plan around, and yet you have nothing in the playbook to accommodate that backup should something drastic happen and he has to go in and play. And you're always clamoring for, well, he knows the playbook, he knows the system, he needs to adapt. That's not good coaching. Good coaching is tailoring your system around the talent you have, not forcing the talent you have into a system you believe is perfect. And that's where a lot of coaches go wrong. And that's the adjustment that Peterson and Reich have made is tailoring this offense to fit Nick Foles and his skill set. So a lot of RPOs we saw in the, play, in the playoffs, um, mixing up the run, staying balanced as well has been key. Um, 30 and 30 basically in each of the two games prior to the Super Bowl as far as the play calls and run pass. And that's going to have to maintain um, throughout the Super Bowl, no matter how out of whack the score could possibly get, we can't get too pass happy. The run game has to be a factor throughout the entirety of the game. They can't get away from it. RPOs. I'm glad you brought that up because everybody's bringing up the RPO. RPO this, RPO that, run pass option. And Foles, to everyone's credit, has been extremely good with the RPO, a 93.8 completion percentage uh, for a passer rating of 96.6. When it's not an RPO, his completion percentage drops to 61.5 for a passer rating of only 94.4. That's not as big a drop, Uh, but it's also a very small sample size. Uh, The Patriots now, Patrick, have allowed 5.6 yards per play on RPOs. It's fifth most in the NFL, but I've mentioned leading up to this game, I think they probably have faced an RPO offense uh, the most out of any other season for the Patriots, and especially the last two teams that they just played. Yeah, a couple things. If if the other teams, if Texans teams were on the phone right now, he'd be screaming about correlation versus cause. You <laughs> tend to rack up like, teams tend to win when they run a lot because they were winning. That's why they have the luxury of running the football, right? So <clears throat> you want to take away the run option, score some points on offense, right? Force the other team to have to throw to catch up. Right, and then you neutralize that threat. Or the other thing I love is, as a Patriots fan, we already talked about it. What is Belichick? What's the hallmark of Bill Belichick's defense? Is it's identifying what the opposition favors, and then neutralizing that as an option. Right. So if the run pass option is all anybody is talking about, guess what the defense is going to key on and be prepared to stop. Right. So. Let Laguerre Plunk get his 2.6 yards per carry or whatever he averages. Um, like that's that's fine. Like we'll eliminate the RPO um, as, as a as an offensive scheme. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but I bet that they will. Right, and I bet that they're going to force Foles to just step back there and throw the football, trying to catch up. Well, and to force Foles to throw that football, the Patriots are going to have to stop the run. And despite what everyone thinks, that's exactly what James Harrison was brought in for. Preach. That is exactly what James Harrison was brought in for, uh, because we were having difficulty doing that, securing the edge um, prior to his arrival. And granted, he hasn't start now. And, you know, I just got done talking about how who cares about the running game. But, um, you know, 
I, I think with his arrival, um, at least according to the eyeball test, the run the run defense is better now than it was before he got here. James, how can your wide receivers and maybe even your tight end uh, try and help out Nick Foles uh, and and keep him, uh, you know, try and replicate his game against the Vikings? Because honestly, I mean, I don't want to tip my hand here, but pretty sure that's the only way the Eagles are beating the Patriots is if Nick Foles repeats what he did against Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah, you were going to go there. Um Taking advantage of the deep balls when they're there between Torrey Smith and Nelson Aguilar, you have two speed wide receivers on the field. Um, Aguilar is probably more elusive than Torrey Smith uh, in, in as far as route running. Um, Alshon Jeffrey is basically just a size mismatch. He, he has the height and physicality to get up over um, just about any corner in the league. And, um, you know, Foles has recognized that. Now, granted, the big play – Jeffrey had against Minnesota. He was wide open, so it wasn't really a tough throw to make. Quarterbacks would say those are the most difficult ones when the receivers are wide open downfield. But um, take, I, I like to see him take more chances with Alshon Jeffrey one-on-one if, if he's out there on the island isolated with um, Gilmore or, or um, Malcolm Butler. So just, you know, having used that height and that verticality that he still has, um, hasn't seen much of it this year, but I'd like to see more of that. As far as Zach Ertz, Brent Selleck, and Trey Burton, our tight ends, who at times this year we've deployed all three in packages and split two of them out wide or left them in. And, you know, the, the they are mismatches in and of themselves. Ertz being the primary focus, just his route running, his hands, um, his catch radius is pretty much monstrous. Um, dare I say he's probably, you know, top five tight end, not probably not on the same level as Gronk yet, but he's on his way with his performance um, in the last year. Uh, Selleck and, and Burton pretty much kind of get lost because when they're on the field with Ertz, Ertz is where the focus goes. It's kind of like a tip that Ertz is getting this ball if it's a pass play, and the other two are probably staying in to do something crazy with the blocking scheme or may not go out in the routes. And is that type of thinking when defense that gets them lost and wide open sometimes in a scheme. Um, I, I do hope that they don't rely on a lot of the smoke screen passes with Nelson Aguilar and, and Torrey Smith. If they run them, pick and choose the moment to run them because they often look very telegraphed by the alignment, by the formation. It, 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 it almost screams that we're throwing this smoke screen out here with one receiver blocking an alignment coming out. By the time either wide receiver catches the ball, he's dead five yards in the backfield. So um, definitely – let those guys get out in the routes and run. Um, Aguilar in the slot has been a huge, huge adjustment this season that has paid monster dividends. You know, when Jordan Matthews was traded to Buffalo, Eagles Nation probably just wept and, and cried because of how good Jordan Matthews was, just both in size and speed. But Aguilar has more than filled the void um, in Matthews' departure. So, um, if there is one area, I would say that slot corner covering Nelson Aguilar could be in our favor um, going against the Patriots defense. Uh, what I just took away from that is that Eagles fans wept and cried. 
Well, I will say I, I will give you credit, James, because I think you might be right there, because as I look at the other cornerback options for the Patriots, uh, Stephon Gilmore, while he struggled at the beginning of the year with his new team, has really stepped up and has played as a number one corner here in the playoffs. Uh, and I know, Patrick, you mentioned in that lost audio that he seems to be a little bit over aggressive, but we haven't really seen a lot of that here in the last couple of weeks with Stefan Gilmore. He's actually played quite well. Now, Malcolm Butler, uh, Malcolm Butler seems to have taken a step back from his previous years. And that step back is probably the same distance he is away from the wide receivers he's supposed to be covering, uh, as he's usually yeah, about a yeah. step or two behind. But I'm not so concerned about our size. Well, Butler also struggles with size. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of taking risks, um, so so Gilmore had a game save, like arguably a game saving play, um, where he it's great. He's beautiful. He jumped up and he just tapped the ball and he's fully extended way up in the air with no safety over the top of him. Right, so like that that risk paid off really well. But if he missed that ball, that's a touchdown, right? So like he's still playing risky. He's just getting he's just not getting caught up in it like he used to. All right, maybe fair enough. But more importantly, uh, as we talk about Zach Ertz, the Patriots haven't allowed any tight ends to get over seventy five yards receiving this season. A lot of that has to do with Patrick Chung, who I believe has played for both these teams. He yeah, the name that we cursed on Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. That was a long diatribe. Like, he played poorly for the Patriots. Uh, you know, the team let him walk in free agency, went to the Eagles. Um, James does not have fond memories of Pat Chung as an Eagle. And then uh, he came back, and all of a sudden, is an all pro caliber strong safety. Hey, I'll take it. Uh, all right. I'll, I, I think we've covered pretty much anything. We didn't cover your special teams, James. Did you want to, uh, do, do, are your special teams something that, uh, will help win this game? Um, low key, uh, they could flip the field as far as field position. It, it would probably be a big help with Corey Clement and, uh, Kenyon Barner as our returners now. Um, very underrated return men who can do damage in the return game. Uh, coverage wise, Sometimes there's some leaks, but Mac Hollins has stepped up in a big way and become a special team cover guy. So um, special teams on the field could be very interesting in both the kicking and punting games. And we already know about Jake Elliott. So, Who you got for X-Factor? What are you talking about, the silent killer? The, the flu, man, the flu. Like, a, like uh, the Patriots players, like kind of two by two got the flu. Um Oh, yeah, I was going to bring that up later, but, I mean, since you're bringing it up now, Malcolm Butler and Tim Jernigan are on the injury report with illness. Mm. Silent killer is never good. Never good. Both those guys will play. Uh, they'll they'll hydrate, and they'll get their butts in there. I'm not they will throw up on their shoes on national TV. <laughs> you know what? Why do you got to bring up old stuff? <laughs> How do you know I was talking about you? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. We discussed this before. You even mentioned it in the Slack channel. <laughs> James, you want to give us an X factor? Maybe some Dramamine? <laughs> hey, both you guys right now. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, there are plenty of X factors. Um, I know when we talked earlier this week in the lost audio, I mentioned um, play calling balance. Um, 
and Halapulabadi Vaitai, who will be key against James Harrison in a lot of what we do. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stick with halftime adjustment, whichever team can adjust to the extra lengthy halftime. And I know the Patriots have been here three times in the last four years. They're probably used to it. But whichever team adjusts better coming out of halftime will, and sets the tone for the second half on the first drive will have the edge winning. Uh, specifically for my team, uh, X-Factor, I'm going with Corey Clement on offense. And defensively, I'm going with whoever covers Gronk, whether it's Michael Kendricks or Malcolm. I like uh, I like the Patriots' chances if second time halftime adjustments are are the biggest X factor in this one because I don't know if you remember this, but the last Super Bowl the Patriots were in, they uh, they came back from this twenty eight to three deficit in the second half, and then uh, just uh, in the AFC Championship game they had another ten point comeback. So that's not looking good in your favor there, James. So James lives in Atlanta, by the way. Hmm. So we just threw that one at him too. Uh, sure. It's a tough go for James. Uh, by the way, I want you, I, I don't know if you remember what you said your X factor was coming in this game, Patrick, but I will give you a reminder and it was Kyle Van Noy. And I a hundred percent agree with you and will add to that, that I was watching NFL playbook with Brian Billick and Sean O'Hara, uh, who also sort of, uh, highlighted Kyle Van Noy and the ability for him to play pretty much anywhere in that front seven uh, on the Patriots defense and how they utilize him and how he is able to sniff out those RPOs and play pass run correctly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So it's like the, the mind of Kyle Van Noy um, and his relative quickness is, is kind of going to be key to, to the defense. If what we're really concerned about is the run pass option. Awesome. I don't know if it's an X factor then. It, it's kind of obvious, I guess, if that's the only thing we've been talking about. But nevertheless. <laughs> Patriots have won for the past five versus the Eagles. The last time these two teams met was in December of 2015. The Eagles won 35 to 28 in Foxborough. Of course, the last time these two teams met uh, in the playoffs, they only met once, and it wasn't a Super Bowl, and the Patriots managed to win 24-21. This was the third of their first three Super Bowl victories, and they did not require that field goal at the very end of the game. They held the Eagles off uh, from making a major comeback. Uh, James, what is your prediction? Um, I'm going to stick with my... I actually have two scoring predictions. Um, If... These two teams play up to the level that they've been playing all year. Ideally, if I'm looking at 24-20 Philadelphia, if it gets out of hand scoring-wise where we're constantly giving up big play after big play, then 28-27 type score. But I don't see either team scoring more than 30 points. Um, I am sticking with my Eagles to win, even though everyone's jumped off you know, picking my team to win a single game since Nick Foles, uh, excuse me, Carson Wentz went down and the play of Nick Foles has been erratic for the, towards the end of the, end of the season. Um, I'm not jumping off. I will bleed green till I die. So picking the Eagles 24-20 or 28-27. Patrick Madden has the Patriots winning 24-20. to 
I'm going to go 34-23, just because I, I feel like the Patriots are due for a comfortable win in the Super Bowl. Neil, uh, you've been uh, strangely quiet during all of this, uh, but helping me out with the stats on the side, I appreciate that. Uh, who you got? The the line right now in Vegas is four, favoring the New England Patriots. Oh, I, I dozed off, Jay, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I'll tell you, James, if you're, ble- if you're bleeding green, James, then you're going to die quite soon anyway, I would, I would venture. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, in terms of this game, uh-huh. in terms of this game, James, uh, Jay, and James, I I hope the Eagles win. I really do. Uh, great to have a new name on the on the trophy, and uh, why not? You know, get, uh, Eagles win. But that's my heart and my head tells me that I don't see how the Philadelphia linebackers are going to be able to stop Amendola uh, or anybody coming across the middle. I, I just don't see. Uh, how the Eagles are going to stop that. Uh, Gronkowski, yeah, he's going to be ready to go. Amendola's having a fantastic playoff uh, run. And, yeah, give, give, me the, give me the Patriots in a, also in a really close one. I'll say something like 21-17, something like that. Uh, I think Patrick made a good point there towards the end. The Thank Patriots, you. yeah, it's all, it's all very good with the Patriots winning your Super Bowls, but you know, as if I was a Patriot fan, I would want to see my team crush somebody in the Super Bowl because having having been there with Washington winning a Super Bowl and crushing a team, uh, crushing a couple of teams really, it was it was it was really satisfying and uh, uh, a great thing to experience. So maybe this is a game, James. I have to say, as a Patriot fan, a long time Patriot fan from back when the Patriots actually sucked. Uh, it would be rather satisfying to see this team actually go out and crush somebody. It would be extremely nice. The Patriots have, I don't believe, have scored more than three points in the first quarter of any of the Super Bowls uh, that they have played in, or maybe it's just the Brady Super Bowls. I don't recall the actual stat, but it's a ridiculous stat. Um, no points at all in the Brady Super Bowls in the first quarter. The the final score uh, has only been more than three points uh, twice, uh, and the highest difference has been six, and that required overtime to do, and that was last year's Super Bowl. The, all of that said, I don't see how the Eagles can contain the Patriots' offense. And while it'll be nice to see Ryan Allen on the sideline, I have a feeling Ryan Allen's going to remain on the sideline for this game. And I don't see very many punts coming from Mr. Allen at all. I think the Patriots do finally get their blowout victory. I'm going to say this is going to be a high scoring Super Bowl. 38-20 will be my prediction for the final score. And the Patriots will be up big with the Eagles trying to score some points in garbage time to make that score a little bit closer. And yes, by the way, that is the square that my wife has in our <laughs> in the big time pool, which is also why I'm going with that score. Ah, now, Neil, you want to know my garb? My garb on uh, Sunday. Well, First of all, my garb all week long has been uh, Patriot-related uh, 
material. It's been a Patriot t-shirt of some sort. Right now I'm wearing a Wes Welker uh, t-shirt, you know, the the t-shirts that look like jerseys that they put the number and the name on the back. Uh, So I'm wearing a Wes Welker today. Uh, I am wearing my Super Bowl 51 uh, championship hat. Uh, But on Sunday, the garb will be my Drew Bledsoe away jersey with my navy sweatpants, my lucky gray underwear, the lucky red socks, uh, the aforementioned Super Bowl championship hat. uh, And we will not, unfortunately, be in the state of Connecticut. We'll be at my father's uh in florida watching this particular game that is the one thing that has got me very nervous in terms of superstition is i will not be at home watching this hmm. can i just ask what the other guys what you're doing what do you i mean what are you what are you eating what are you wearing where are you watching the game are you hiding behind the sofa or do you actually sit in front of the tv what's the uh... Yeah, I'll be sitting in front of the TV with my father-in-law, and after the game, I got to drive him to the airport. So I'll be eating wings, but not imbibing. Mm. And do you have your special uh, Patriots hat or jersey or face paint? Yeah, I just call them hats, right? Because like my hats tend to have a Patriots logo on them, and my underwear tends to be, you know white like Jay's used to be. I don't know why your underwear turned gray, Jay, but like, <laughs> God, in too much. Uh, all right. And oh, how about you, James? God. What are you be doing? Um, I have uh, declined invitations to three Eagle Super Bowl parties. I am not a crowd person. When my team is involved in a Super Bowl, uh, I will be at home on my couch watching the game solo, food and attire to be determined. Mm. Neil, what do you got going on across the pond? Because it's going to be late for you. Yeah, what time is the kickoff? 6.30 Eastern. Six, so that's going to be 11.30 here. Uh, I shall be watching it. Uh, I shall be watching it at home. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I just kind of hoping for a really good game. You know, maybe have some, maybe have some Doritos. Who knows? <laughs> is that shot? Is that a Deflategate comment? No, 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 absolutely not. Still, no, no. Still uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping for a really good game, really close game, and yeah, it can't be last year's game, of course. But uh, let's hope for a for a really high quality performance that's not decided by the referees. So. Uh, hopefully you've listened to our gambling podcast. And if you didn't, why not? You can go and subscribe to the show, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, tune in wherever great podcasts are heard. The guys went over exactly how you should wager. By the way, ABC news, this, I tweeted this out. Uh, this is not a fake. This is not fake news. Apparently $4.5 billion will be wagered on the Super Bowl this weekend uh, and our gambling podcast, they did a great job for those who have never placed a wager ever describing and defining the terms that you'll need to know to place your first bet. And if you are a, an advanced gambler, they tell you exactly the bets to target and which ones to avoid. They did, however, not get into some of the more fun prop bets, which we're about to get into right now. Uh, And one of the things that I want to start with, which we forgot to discuss during our breakdown of the game, will Tom Brady be wearing a bandage on his right hand? The prop says yes, minus 130, which means it's more likely that he will be or no plus 100. 
Uh, and Patrick, he has been wearing a glove during all of these media appearances this week. So did Michael Jackson. Didn't mean he had a cut under his hand. <laughs> um, is there a prop bet on the over-under for the amount of money wagered on the Super Bowl? No, but there probably should be, right? There should be. It sounds like somebody. It sounds like NBC News just set the line. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, I, I know we've mentioned the referee in this game before, but if I recall correctly, isn't this the same referee who's the index card in the Sunday night game between Dallas and Oakland? Yes. Yes, it is. Gene Statutor. So is there a prop? So is there a prop bet for the use of index card to determine first down or not? I believe there I would is. Take that bet. I, I believe there is. <laughs> the NFL has barred its use. Right. The other uh, th- there's there's a couple other fun ones here. Will Tom Brady or Bill Belichick announce retirement after the game must be shown on broadcast? By the way, if you have any sort of brain, put all of your money yeah, on no. no. They will not announce the no. retirement during the broadcast. At no, all. they won't. Uh, if they do announce the retirement, it'll be on Monday uh, when they're uh, polishing the trophy next to them. Uh, will Donald Trump attend the game? By the way, I don't, I don't know if it's been announced yet or not, but they usually announce these sort of things. And I don't think Donald Trump will be in Minnesota or anywhere near Minneapolis. It'd be nice if you weren't in the country. I said that out loud. Ooh. Uh, will he talk? Will he take part in a pregame interview on NBC? And this has been a tradition over the years that every sitting president has done. Uh, I guess that would be a yes. By the way, that's plus no. 360. You don't think he will? Gosh. I, I, I want to lean towards no after the State of the Union fiasco that went on. But, you know, what do I know? In, insanity does what insanity wants. You mean the highest ever uh, television ratings uh thing the other night wasn't it he was uh, he was telling us all that fake news today mm. uh, yeah I, I chose not to watch i was watching black lightning and recording a podcast so yeah. <laughs> i was black lightning yeah. a good thing. black lightning is awesome i suggest everybody watch that show it, it does hit home with its realism um because granted it is about a superhero but they they do trust me the realism as far as the events uh, related to current events and, and current things that go on in most cities is is very hard hitting. So um, do do take that into account when you're watching the show that this is not just comic book based superhero. This is a lot of real life that's been injected into the show. Total number of Donald Trump tweets during the game over under two and a half. Over that will that will depend because I mean he is he is he is a New England Patriots guy, isn't he? So he's. Uh... If they're winning, he'll be tweeting all the time. If they're losing, he'll say that it's not a real loss. By the way, they do have a prop bet on the amount of money gambled. Total bets estimated by American Gaming Association over under $4.5 billion. There you go. Over. Dollars? Dollars. Uh, dollars, so yes. 50, dollars, 55 pounds or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which quarterback will be Super Bowl MVP? Uh, but who cares about that? I'm more interested in the color of the liquid thrown on Bill Belichick. Will it be clear, green slash yellow, red, blue, orange, or no liquid will be poured on him? Patrick, I well, believe it, the Patriots believe in an all-water policy. Well, if it's the Eagles oh, fans God. doing it, it will be urine, won't it? <laughs> wow. Seriously? <laughs> they'll, they'll mix in some batteries and nails with it, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Really, 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 guys. 
really. <laughs> Don't talk to us like we're Eagles fans. Like, you guys do this, not us. All right. These are now, the fun ones. Broadcaster ball. props. Will Al Michaels say underdog, yes or no? That is a yes. guaranteed Oh, yes. yeah, definitely. Will Al Michaels say odds, yes or no? I don't yeah. know about that one. That one's a little less. He definitely is going to say underdog. Will Al Michaels say point spread? Yes or no? Yes. I'm go with no. Will Al Michaels say Vegas? Yes or no? No. Gonna, if he mentions say, point spread, then he'll mention Vegas. I think those two go hand in hand. This is the one where he won't. Will Al Michaels say sports book? No. No. Will Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth say Danny playoff? That is a yes, guaranteed yeah. yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Will they say GOAT? That is a guaranteed yes. If, if, if Trump's worth there. yes, Al Michaels, no. Mm-hmm. You get a tr- It says Al Michaels or Chris Collinsworth, so it's an either-or type bet. So. Either-or, then. Okay, then yeah. Because yeah, it would definitely be Collinsworth who says it. How many there times is- will Collinsworth mention PFF? Well, that's the next one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Pro football focus. They don't put an over under. It's just yes or no. Oh, yes. Yes. Guaranteed. Yes. yes. He'll, have a, he'll have a baseball cap with it written across on his, his forehead. Who knows? Yeah. Because uh, doing, doing player intros when they show the player football. Yeah. Yeah. Football, whatever. When they show the rankings based on yep. that, they put the rankings. They, they will get mentioned right afterwards so the audience knows what, what those numbers are for. Mm. Will either of them say Rocky, City of Brotherly Love, Dynasty, or Gronk? Yeah, every single one of those. All yeah. four. Yeah. Yep. Who will Tony Dungy predict to win the game, the Patriots or the Eagles? God. <laughs> Dungy will demanding in the Patriots. Who will Rodney Harrison predict to win, the Patriots or the Eagles? Seriously, we know he'll pick the Patriots. Uh, here are the even more fun ones. The length of the national anthem, which will be sung by Pink, over under 120 seconds. I have consulted over. with my Pink expert, that is my wife. Uh, she said she's going with the over. Yeah, over. Just because two minutes is tough to sing that entire song. Uh, great. Love her. Yeah. Length of America the Beautiful by Leslie Odom Jr. over under 80.5 seconds. This America the Beautiful thing, I don't understand when this Neither became a we got to play America the Beautiful before the national anthem. Like It, it was no the idea. Yankees' fault. Oh, stupid Yankees. <laughs> Justin Timberlake first appears in headwear during the halftime show. Yes or no? Oh no. my god, dude. Are no. we gonna go through the entire list after already having a whole separate gambling podcast? Yeah, well they didn't do these. These are the best ones. What will Justin Timberlake's first song be during the halftime show? Well it will not you know, be Can't Stop the Feeling. It. I believe that will be his closer. Don't know. I've got nothing on that one. Well, oh, is it being aired on a... Oh wait, no, Can't Stop the Feeling is DreamWorks. Alright, never mind. <laughs> Will there be a wardrobe malfunction must expose an intimate part of the body? That is a no. guaranteed no. Well, having said that, if Donald Trump arrives, you could say there's a massive dick in the stadium. I can't believe I'm going to let that one go. Good one, Neil. 
Will Britney Spears make a halftime show appearance? By the way, Britney and Justin what? used to be, uh, you know, together. Uh, no, 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 no. Will Janet Jackson make a halftime show appearance? Yeah, she might. Would be the, that's possible. That's possible. That, but uh, it, it would be the best kept secret thus far. Yeah, I, I reckon she'll pop. She'll she'll come out in the show definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Will any member of NSYNC or Jay-Z or Madonna make a halftime show appearance? NSYNC oh, probably, yes. Yeah. Will, will Charles Barkley be shown during the broadcast? No. Why would Charles Barkley have anything to do with <laughs> Because he Because he went up to the box in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game to hang out with Jeffrey Lurie. Mm. Do, you, do you remember the 76ers? Like he... He was in he was in his own box and then he left his box to go to the owner's box in the fourth quarter. How many did show him on the Fox broadcast? How many commercials will Peyton Manning appear in? Over under <laughs> two and a half. Over. Over. Will that's Eli that's appear true. in any of those commercials? Yes. No. Uh, I'm not going to ask how many Anheuser-Busch commercials because there's going to be a lot of them. How many times will the word dilly be said during the broadcast? Now, this is going to be a point of contention because is it just the commercials or is it also during the game broadcast? The over-under is set at 12 and a half. Over. And they say dilly dilly, so it's twice. Yes. It's twice, that's why I said over. <laughs> you got to go the over. You only got to you, you, you only got to say it seven times. <laughs> and uh, and for one more uh, one more pick from my expert, I think you're right around the corner over there. Yeah. Winner of the 14th Puppy Bowl, Fluff or Ruff? What? My wife is going with Ruff to win what, the. What, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa! What's the what's this? You don't know about the Puppy Bowl, Neil? Nope. You, Neil, Neil, remain ignorant. Oh Trust gosh. me, remain ignorant. So the Puppy Bowl used to be counter-programming Neil, during halftime. Now the Animal Channel actually has the Puppy Bowl on before the Super Bowl kicks off. Uh, and it's, uh, it is literally what you think it is. It is puppies. They put them in a big – it looks like a stadium with a football field, and there's all sorts of different toys on the field. And if a dog grabs the toy and – brings it to the opponent's end zone, it's a touchdown. Yeah, it's one of the most ridiculous things, Dale, but people love this thing. They live and die by the puppy bowl. Yeah, I'm not one of those people. I think next year Washington should enter this. We may have a chance to win it. (laughs) The Washington Redskins versus Team Fluff. I like it. We shouldn't drop kick that puppy off the the, the pitch. It it should be the all-star combination of Fluff and Ruff. Fluff and Ruff? Uh, Patrick just dropped, so I guess that's enough on the Super Bowl. Uh, we can move now to uh, some of the big news this week in the NFL. Uh, so there was a big story that broke this week. Uh, I didn't think stories like this were supposed to be allowed to break during Super Bowl week, but uh, sure. Uh, one team wanted to grab all of the attention away from the Patriots and the Eagles, and that team was the Kansas City Chiefs. Although, should we blame the Redskins more for this? I don't know. We have both super fans here because you've already heard Neil and Nick, our chief super fan, joins us to talk about Alex Smith being traded away to the Washington Redskins. Now, it should be noted before we really dive into this, that this trade still could end up not happening 
because they can't make it official until the league year begins in March. Hello, Nick. Hello. I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the, the trade's not official until like March 14th or something like that. But I mean, it would be a, a lot of egg on Washington's face to back out of it now. And basically all sides have confirmed it. Um, and I think Chiefs fans should be over the moon for it. I, I think it's a little head scratching from uh, Washington's point of view, but I, I kind of get it from the Chiefs perspective. I mean, they're moving a 33 year old quarterback that they had to move. I mean, there may have been some reports out of Kansas City that Maybe they're thinking about keeping Alex Smith this year, but that was all just team sources leaking this for negotiating position. I mean, it was clear the writing was on the wall for basically a year now that this was going to be Alex Smith's last year in Kansas City. Um, they were going to hand the team to, to Pat Mahomes uh, as long as he showed them what they wanted to see in his year of sort of redshirting. And, uh, and it saves them so much against the cap that it's just, it, it was going, it was absolutely going to happen. Um, and Washington was definitely not a team that I expected to come out with it. Um, I was thinking about a bunch of other uh, other possibilities, but to get for this quarterback that we were going to get rid of um, a top 100 pick and also a uh, a, a rising star uh, on the defense who is still on has two years left on his rookie deal. As Neil and I were just talking about this off the air, you know, Kendall Fuller is not a household name, but he is he seems to be regarded as if not the best slot corner in the NFL, then you know at least top three. Uh, PFF gave him a 90 grade. They they made him you know their sixth best cornerback overall in the league last year. Um, and so to get this guy, you know, who still has basically the Chiefs will owe him a million and a half for the next two years. These are the kind of guys that you just you just don't get on the market because no team lets these go. Um, so it fills a huge huge hole for the Chiefs on the defense uh, and cheaply. Um, it's the sort of thing that uh, is really a coup for the Chiefs to to get that kind of value for. Uh, for Alex Smith, although, and I, I do want to throw out there before anyone, you know, attacks me for attacking Alex Smith. I've been a long Alex Smith apologist, and I actually, you know, for whatever that means, and I actually do think he, you know, is maybe a little under underappreciated in, in Kansas City, but at the same time, I think most fans sort of understand where he sits. And I was thinking about it myself. I think he probably actually is the second best quarterback the Chiefs have had in their history. Um. So let's talk a little bit about that money and we'll and we'll throw it to Neil here because for you Neil uh you had paid Mr. Cousins something upwards to 24 million dollars I think last season if I'm not mistaken uh so you're obviously cutting your quarterback expense quite considerably since it'll be down to 17 million for the season. Well, Jay, where do we start with this trade? Uh it's yeah, of course we're going to save some money. Uh, I think the thought was that Kirk Cousins, or thinking is that Kirk Cousins is looking for uh, something in the region of 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 a minimum of thirty million dollars a year. Uh, now let's be honest. Take away all the the trade and all the rest of it. Uh, when you're talking thirty million dollars plus for a quarterback. You're thinking Brady, aren't you? You're thinking Rodgers. You're thinking the, the 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 best of the best, the number one guy in the league. And, and I think as good as Kirk Cousins has been for Washington, he's not that player. He, he's not the perennial all-pro Hall of Fame quarterback. So you can, from that point of view, understand why Washington uh, don't want to pay that level of money. However, I think you could also say that it was really, really unlikely, I think, I think all, all the signs were pointing to the fact that Kirk was never going to 
Uh, Kurt, <laughs> Kurt was never going to sign uh, a deal with Washington, no matter I think how much money they put on the table. And that is, uh, uh, and when you're sitting in that situation, you've got to look for the best possible option. And the best possible option out there, as Washington saw it, uh, was to go for Alex Smith. He is, I think, it's fair to say, the best of the upcoming free agent quarterbacks. And we could have gone down the draft route, but we're picking at 13. And do we want to go down uh, the route we went in 2012 with Robert Griffin by trading away multiple first-round picks? I think the team have said, nah, we don't want to do that. We'll probably get Smith in here and, and, and draft somebody maybe third, fourth, fifth round, uh, middle of the draft this year, and, and groom them maybe next year. Uh, but I, I was—I have to say, Jay, I was—I was taken back, almost what fourteen years, uh, to when Washington traded away uh, the guy who's going to be a Hall of Fame cornerback in Champ Bailey to another AFC uh, West team. That was—that was the Broncos back in the day. Uh, we got Clinton Portis, my God, a running back who was, who was good enough, but he was no Champ Bailey. Uh, this time, I think we've got a slightly better deal than that one. Uh, we won't get a third-round compensatory pick for Cousins when he eventually goes. So, yeah, we will get a third-round pick back. So if you're saying, well, it's Smith against Fuller in that trade, poof, you need a quarterback, Jay, don't you? But uh, Fuller, young guy we drafted, developed, and now we let him go. That's probably, if I was speaking for the Washington fan base, I would say, yeah, Cousins, Smith, they're pretty much the same guy, aren't they? Uh, but the big argument is, why have we given up Kendall Fuller, who uh, who is much loved in the locker room and much loved in the fan base? Uh, outstanding young player. And the Chiefs certainly got, got a, a really good player there at a very cheap price. Uh, the I'm, I'm looking here at an article on ESPN.com mentioning Cousins looking at Perhaps a twenty-seven million per year average with a fifty million signing bonus and ninety million in the first three years, which would make him the highest paid player in NFL history, which is currently a title owned by Matthew Stafford. Uh, and obviously he would be supplanted by the next quarterback mega deal that would come along. But do we really think Kirk Cousins is the quarterback in this class to get this money? No. To me, I'm looking at a guy named Drew Brees who should command a lot more than this. And unless he's giving a hometown discount to the New Orleans Saints, uh, why are we not talking about some of these other quarterbacks over Kirk Cousins with this type of money? Well, can I, can I just well, say, but, that, first of all, that I don't understand why every single quarterback in the NFL doesn't do what Kirk Cousins has done. Run right. your deal down. You're in a position on the field which very, very rarely ends to a, ends in a career-threatening injury. Uh, I can understand it for guys in the trenches and, and guys who rely on their speed or their, their cutting ability in the skill positions. But quarterbacks, generally speaking, obviously, obviously the old one or two, uh, get through a, a pretty lengthy career. And if I was a quarterback, I'd run my contract down to the final year as well. Absolutely. Every time. Nick, you were going to say something. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean... Uh... It'll be interesting to see how free agency shapes up this year just because I think there's a lot of teams out there. I mean, it's a decent quarterback class. It seems to be considered to be anyway. Um, and a lot of the teams that uh, have quarterback needs are picking at the top of the first round. 
Um, but, you know, it still wouldn't surprise me. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I think every that's the market is dictates that as, as the salary cap increases every year, that the market for a, you know, top half of the league quarterback is going to increase every year, too. And it's not like Alex Smith came super cheap for, for Washington. He, he's owed $20 million next year. And uh, and Washington extended him, gave him uh, in a deal that was worth you know 94 million total, 71 million guaranteed, which means essentially they have Smith for um, five years, 111 million dollars. Uh, obviously, 71 of which is, is guaranteed, uh, plus whatever is guaranteed next year, um, and that's going to run until he's you know 39. So I mean, it's it's cheaper than where the league is probably going to be for a free agent, you know, quarterback. But that's still a lot of money to throw Alex Smith's way. And I think, you know, part of the whole discussion and, you know, part of the whole calculus in terms of, you know, the, the Chiefs in terms of dealing with Smith, is like I said, I mean, I think he is probably the second best quarterback we've had, but the second most successful quarterback we've had in the entire history of the, of the league, but, or of the, the franchise. But if you look at the teams that have been able to actually get to championships, um, the, you know, there's multiple paths. Obviously, we see Nick Foles is in the Super Bowl, but – Basically, the paths are you have a top 10 quarterback or you have someone who's close to 10, but somehow outside of that range with a great defense and, and great supporting cast. The problem is, is there's very few teams. Basically, there's no team um, recently that's been able to do that when you have a sub top 10 quarterback who is making, you know, 15 percent of your salary cap in terms of his actual salary. I mean, the last guy, I mean, we've seen some of it on, on the NFC side. But on at least it's more more possible on the NFC side. But the AFC, you know, the, the the doors to the Super Bowl have been held by Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger for 15 years. The only exception is Joe Flacco, who got there on the fifth year of his rookie deal, and the next year, you know, he got paid a bonanza, and the Ravens have never been back. Um, you know, and that's the thing with the Chiefs is that like. You know, okay, they can build a team that can potentially get to the playoffs and potentially, you know, get to a Super Bowl. But if if they're paying Alex Smith twenty to twenty five million a year, then you you can't afford to add all those other pieces to your defense, all those other pieces you need. Um, and so it's a huge deal to be able to transition with with the talent that they have to a, a what they hope is a good quarterback on a rookie salary. See, now this is once again why I criticize the Mahomes deal last season because you didn't make the playoffs this season and you probably could have, and you probably could have been a contender for the Super Bowl, but you didn't did make the playoffs this season. Oh, that's right. I suppose you did. <laughs> Alex Smith failed to beat the worst team in the playoffs this year. Right. I think that, I think that was Andy Reid. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so that was my biggest criticism. And now you're going into a year where I don't think you can rely on Mahomes. You hope and and hope and and wishes are lots of things, but they're not exactly results. Uh, But you can hope that you sort of re, you know, you get back into the playoffs. But if Alex Smith only barely got you in at nine and seven, I don't think you can expect that much more from a second year quarterback whom you're in the process of grooming, which means your path to the Super Bowl just got that much longer. Where I well, thought, yeah, and I don't, where I thought you had a chance at the Super Bowl this year. I don't think the Chiefs should expect to go to the Super Bowl in Pat Mahomes' first year. Um, and and honestly, you know, I, I think looking the way that things went, I mean, what fell apart for the Chiefs this year is their defense fell apart. I mean, you throw on one more piece there. I mean, I don't think that's the difference between them getting 
you know, beaten by the Titans at home in the wild card round to suddenly being at the Super Bowl. Um, but now you can go into a year where we can transition. We can get rid of some of our old contract, old contracts, old money for declining players. And there's still, I mean, there's a good young core for the, the Chiefs team that they can build around uh, Patrick Mahomes. And so, I mean, really the question is, would you rather have uh, Alex Smith or Patrick Mahomes and $17 million that they save on the cap uh, for Alex, you know, from, from trading Alex Smith? And I think you can fill a lot of holes with that $17 million, holes that you're not going to fill with a single first-round pick. Um, so, I mean, long-term, I think the Chiefs are far better set up through this trade, especially when they just filled – you know, one of their basically their biggest hole. Well, the guy is going to cost them three million dollars in the next two years. You also mentioned at one point last season, it may have only been a few weeks ago. I don't recall when uh, Marcus Peters is perhaps not much longer for this team. So are you looking at Fuller as I mean, obviously you would prefer Fuller as a as an addition to Peters. But could he become uh Peters and could could you end up having Fuller without Peters? Uh, I hope not. I mean, I honestly think the way that Peters bounced back from his team suspension this year to me shows that the team still kind of believes in him and he still you know is happy enough in Kansas City. I think that was a big turning point where it could have gone the other way, um, but so far it seems like um, you know it, it's things have sort of normalized in terms of that relationship. I mean, he's going into the fourth year of the rookie deal next year. They'll probably pick up a fifth year option. So they got him for two more years anyway. Uh, and at some point they are going to have to pay that guy though. And, um, and I think they're not even allowed to extend him yet um, with like rookie contract rules, but that's around the corner. And that's sort of the other thing is that the chiefs actually have a ton of cap room next year and in the following years. Um, and, that, and so there's going to be a lot of money thrown to guys like Peters and others. And, and as Neil and I were talking about, I think Kendall Fuller, It'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs use him because, you know, he was phenomenal in the slot, but the, the experiments that sounds like Washington used with him on the outside didn't go really well. Uh, so, and the Chiefs really need both a slot guy and an outside guy. But again, with the money they've saved, and there's a few other pretty obvious cap-saving moves they can make this offseason, um, they can free up $16 million in cap space just from getting rid of or, re, you know, or cutting and re-signing or something with Tom Bahali and Derek Johnson alone. I mean, $16 million, you can get yourself a top outside corner um, if that's what it's going to cost in the open market. So there's things they can do to, to firm that up. And, and look, and it sounds like Aqib Talib might be a cut in, in Denver. They bring in a guy like a free agent like Tremaine Johnson. Now suddenly you're looking at Marcus Peters, you know, Johnson or Talib and Kendall Fuller. That is, you know, one of the best trio of, of cornerbacks in the league suddenly. So they put themselves in a good position to be able to address that other need there. And again, long term, I think they still can re-sign Peters as long as he, you know, this relationship kind of stays okay. Now we we talked about the cap space uh, in the last show. Uh, the Niners and the Browns have the most. Uh, the Niners are probably going to use most of their 115 million on Jimmy Garoppolo and not Kirk Cousins. The Browns will probably make a big push for Kirk Cousins. My guess is Cousins does not want to be. Um, while he's probably looking for a big payday, probably doesn't want to be on the losing side of that big payday. The Colts are in third. I'll come back to that. The Jets would be next. The Jets are an interesting player in all of this. Bucks, Texans, Redskins, Vikings becomes another interesting thought. Uh, I want to come back to the Colts, though, real quickly, and I'll go to you, Patrick, since you're still here. Uh, the Colts 
where Josh McDaniels is rumored to be headed to, uh, maybe Andrew Luck doesn't come back ever. Maybe he retires, and some of that seventy-seven million goes towards Kirk Cousins with Josh McDaniels. Ooh, wouldn't that be awesome? Just thought. No, I was hoping you might have more than just "Ooh, wouldn't that be awesome." Well, I mean, we're rumor mongering the week of the Super Bowl about our offensive coordinator and his potential quarterback situation and a future team. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we've already talked about the Super Bowl, so I mean, it's time to give the other team some love, my friend. The I other think teams can have their love when they when they've earned it. Fine, you're. I'll, I'll go to James, who hasn't spoken. Uh, he's been nice and quiet. James, how about the Kirk Cousins' potential landing spots? What do you think of my thought, my my uh, conspiracy theory with the Colts? Nah, um, Kirk Cousins is going to be grossly overpaid for no reason whatsoever and will never perform to the level of whatever contract he receives. Um, you mentioned Drew Brees earlier, or Nick did, <clears throat> with a situation in New Orleans, who is a free agent but is not going anywhere. He definitely come out and said he's not leaving New Orleans. My curiosity there would be what contract does he take and does he continue to try to take the $25 million plus that he's been making over the last two to three years and force the Saints to pay him that money? Or does he go the Tom Brady route where he only makes somewhere between, what, 12 to $15 million a year and no more than that so that the team can continue to build talent around him? Because the Saints are one of the youngest teams in the league only because most of their starters and star players have been drafted within the last three years. And that was pretty much doing much to Drew Brees' contract. They couldn't afford to keep the previous high-priced talent when he signed this deal six years ago. And they've had to cut those guys systematically short, you know, at some point along the way. And you get seasons of 5 and 10, and I mean 5 and 11 and 6 and 10 as a quarterback when you do that. And I understand wanting to make your money. But if you want to win – Making your money is not going to help you. The league is not conducive for you to both get paid and win at the same time. It's just not going to work out that way. And with the way quarterbacks are going to pretty much tip the scales as far as the salary cap over the next couple of years, high-paid quarterbacks will not see much returns um, as far as being productive during the season, making the playoffs, let alone winning a Super Bowl. And owners and fan bases will pretty much just be more vehemently upset that their team is not performing after all the money they threw into a quarterback. Neil, you've mentioned the Broncos as a possible landing spot, uh, at least in our chat. Broncos only have 26 million in cap space. So they probably, I mean, that's obviously enough to sign cousins, but they're probably going to want to free up some more space because they're going to need more than just cousins on that team to, to get them over the hump. But, uh, uh, that's why I, I look at the Colts with 77 million. The Jets have 72. I actually think Cousins, Cousins with the Jets of the Vikings to me makes the most sense in terms of the amount of salary cap space, reaching what he wants to make to get paid and be on a winning franchise. Jets, I know that's a stretch. See, well, the Colts won't win with him there. The Broncos have been my theory for over a year now. Like as soon as, as Kirk Cousins got the tag last year, I was like, okay, I think Cousins is going to be a Bronco in a year. That's just, yeah, that's what's going to happen. And nothing is like really changed in that, but it makes me think anything other than that. I mean, I know 
Elway really prizes proven quarterbacks. Uh, he was able to court Peyton Manning. Um, I, I think that makes the most sense. I mean, that, that's also, I think, probably the best plug-and-play landing spot for Kirk. It's like, if you want to win now, then you probably want to go to Denver. And Denver, I mean, yeah, they only have like whatever the $26 million in cap room, but they have some, some contracts they could cut. I mean, they, uh, that's why I mentioned Aqib Tlaib. I mean, I think he's owed like $12 million a year or something like that for the next two years, and he's 31. Um, that's something, and like none of that's guaranteed. They could save all of that just by you know, pressing the cut button on Madden with him. And there's a few other contracts I think that they can move around. And I just think, I mean, if, if Elway likes him, I think he's going to, you know, move whatever he needs to to, to bring in a, a, a decent quarterback into Denver. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, a uh, couple of things just to finish off with the, with the Cousins thing, Jay. I think you, we can talk about stats, you can talk about cash, you can talk about uh, is he good enough and all the rest of it. But as we all know, we're all in jobs. We all work with, uh, with co-workers. Sometimes it's, it's also about the human element. And I think somehow it's a bonus for Washington just to get this what's happening to Kirk Cousins question uh, away from the team and they can move on and start, uh, start looking forward rather than having to deal with this question all the time. And on a personal level, as it is all about me, uh, I would say that I will no longer, I may not have the answer I really want, but I will no longer have to listen to James saying, which quarterback next year, Neil? Which quarterback next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I that will say after my, my, my final thought on Alex Smith is that's when thinking about this deal and um, that's sort of what like kind of pinged in my head, like this is why it makes sense for, for Washington because they just had so much quarterback drama for the last five, six years with RG3 leading into Kirk and all of the tags and all of that kind of stuff. I guess 25 and, years. Right. And, and, and whereas Alex Smith, I mean, I knew he was going to be probably overvalued on the market just because he's such a nice guy. I mean, he's like exactly what you want in terms of a guy who's going to come into the locker room, never rock the boat, never, uh, you know, cause any drama, never leak things. He's, he's always going to be, you know, classy with the media. Even when, you know, even if you treat him unfairly, like the 49ers did, he's not going to blast the team for it. Uh, he'll just quietly soldier on and go to, go to his next team or whatever. And I, I felt like, you know, in a way, it was almost like the perfect encapsulation of that. And it's why I think most Chiefs fans will continue to be fans of him and like, and, you know, and we'll root for him in, in Washington. I mean, even like, when on the day he kind of knew he'd been traded, the same night that this came out, and he did a bunch of media interviews and some some interviewer asked him just like so you know what's another quarterback out there that you think is like really good and it was like the most open question of just like name a quarterback you think is good and he said pat mahomes i think he's going to be really good and and it's just one of those things where yes it's small and it probably says it just says more about alex smith than mahomes it's like you were given a like a question that is just name any quarterback who has a skill or whatever who you think is good it's like i'm going to say the guy who was drafted replacing is pushing me out of my current job because, you know what, I'm just going to toss something to Chiefs fans, and I'm just going to, you know, it's going to be, you're not going to be petty about it, and I'm going to be, you know, and, and, and that's just, that's where you're getting. Uh, there's not going to be any more drama. <laughs> like, he's going to be uh, a model citizen and a good locker room guy, and, uh, and I wish you well with him. Well, I, yes, I do you. actually have one new question that I'm going to be asking Neil all offseason, and that is, um, who is Alex Smith going to be throwing to? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're we're chasing down Travis Kelsey in our next trade. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be an RG three level. Yeah, <laughs> start the bidding at three or four first round picks, and we can talk. 
Hey, Jay, you know this thing, you, you always do it. You, do, you talk about cap space, you know, who's got the most cap space and all the rest of it. I'm not sure in the history of the NFL if a team really, really, really wants a player, but cap space gets in the way. Yeah, well, it does. And, it does. And, to some extent, but, it does. Because but they, but clear, to, but to clear that, like, let's say, let's say the Dolphins, the Dolphins who are a rumored uh, per, perhaps destination for Mr. Cousins. The Dolphins. They're not extending Cutler? They have the worst <laughs> cap space out of all the teams, uh, besides the Steelers, Eagles, and Chiefs, who are all over. Obviously, the Chiefs will no longer be over the cap after the trade happens. The I believe the Chiefs free up 20 million in cap space, which means they'll now have 8 million in cap space. Uh, but the Dolphins only have 7 million in cap space. That's not enough to sign Kirk Cousins. So to sign him, they're going to have to cut people. And to cut people off of a team that's not really performing anyway means they're going to have to replace those people with somebody to perform in those positions. And that's sort of where you get into the, sure, we wanted Kirk Cousins, but we didn't improve our team. We actually made our team worse to get him. Yeah, but you can always monkey with contracts in a way that doesn't hit your cap that much this year. I mean, you can... You have to find a player to agree to that. Right, yeah. But it's like, okay, we'll give you a $75 million bonus this year and, and only pay $5 million in, in terms of actual salary. And then our cap hit, you know, next year is going to be $100 million or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can do things that usually will cripple your team long term, but there's right. ways that you can kind of get, it, get under it for a year. Mm-hmm. Right, like the... Uh, the Bills right now appear to be that team. They have the most amount of dead money at eighteen point seven million. Yeah, um, I think historically the Saints have been bad at that, haven't they? And also the Cowboys. But they, Cowboys always, they always work away around it. Cowboys are at thirteen point seven million in dead money right now. There's always creative accountants, <laughs> uh, and trust me, I hate I them. All. Could, but in the end, it will come you, to bite that team at some point. Oh, you know, I forgot to bring this up with uh, with Nick. The Chiefs and the Rams will be the two teams in Mexico City this year. Mexico City this year, yeah. Yippee! Saw that. I guess. I guess that's going to be a thing now. So we'll have what three games in England and one in Mexico City one in now. Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Though the site of the Mexico game, which Goodell says is not going anywhere. As far as well, the Mexican game not going anywhere, but he did say that the site of the game, they're looking at other cities in Mexico to have the game. Are there other cities in Mexico other than yes. Mexico City? Oh, okay. Yeah, and he I can't remember the city. He he mentioned two other cities, one of which actually hosted a Mexico, um Tijuana the game before. <laughs> no, not Tijuana. <laughs> uh all right. Um Let's see here. Some of the other news that's going on out there. Since we're talking about broadcast, Thursday night football will now be on Fox for the next five years. 11 games every year, starting from week four through 15, not including Thanksgiving. Seven games next year will be exclusive on the NFL Network on Thursday night, but they will be produced by the Fox team. Uh, So no more Tony Romo on Thursday night football, Neil. So was that shared then the last few years between the network and CBS, wasn't it? Yes. CBS, and NBC. Games, yeah. CBS, yeah. NBC, and NFL splitting. NFL network. Yeah. Yeah. So Fox have got exclusive all, all the games then, yeah. Fox is now no, the well, exclusive yeah, the exclusive broadcaster on Thursday Night Football. 
So no more NFL. But they're network. still sharing with NFL Network. Right, right. It'll still be oh. on the NFL Network. Right. I okay. But, but it's, it's going to be the Fox team yeah, doing the yeah. broadcast. Okay, that's good. That's what we need, isn't it? More Troy Aikman. Good. No, we needed less Troy. No, Aikman. absolutely no, more, Tony Tony more Troy Aikman. Absolutely not. Can we find a way to get Tony Romo to do those games too? Jay Cutler, will Jay Cutler be back next year? Will he be taking? That's true. Game? Maybe Jay Cutler will take over in the booth at that point. Yeah, he was he was originally signed with Fox. True, Fox is where to go, but then I kick Aikman out the booth. Uh, Not for Jay want- Cutler. We want to talk about the NFL injury report or the new Titan staff first. Let's what, go with the new what, Titan staff. We'll save the injury yeah, report. Let's say there's nothing on the injury report. Oh, I've got in. Oh, I've got stuff on the injury report, my friend. It's good stuff too. Oh gosh. Anyway, the new Titan staff. Mike Rabel is the head coach. He has announced that Matt Lafleur will be his offensive coordinator. Now Lafleur was the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams this past year under Sean McVay. Apparently, though, he did not call the plays. So LaFleur will become the O-Core in Tennessee and will call plays for the first time ever in his career. Now, Neil, as I went through his bio, he apparently was a quarterback's coach with your team for a little bit of time. Yeah, he was. I, I'm, I haven't looked at the date, Jim. I'm guessing roundabout. I have a feeling he was there when, when uh, Griffin was there. But uh, he, of course, would have been in Washington when McVeigh was there and also uh, Kyle Shanahan. So. Obviously, he should have a reasonably good offensive mind calling the plays new for him. But, yeah, I mean, do you think maybe the Titans, maybe it's been being a bit harsh to, to Matt there a bit. Did they just run out of guys, do you think? A bit late in the process, everybody else was gone? I think so, because I don't see any direct correlation between Matt LaFleur and Mike Vrabel. Um, maybe there's a Shanahan connection in there somewhere. Uh, but, but I don't, but I don't see one. His defensive coordinator is Dean Pease, who obviously has a new England connection. I believe Pease may have even coached Vrabel towards the end of his career, but Pease had announced his retirement from the Ravens. Now I haven't seen a lot being made of this. Clearly Baltimore was quite okay with Pease just retiring and then taking another job someplace else. Yeah, maybe. I don't see why they would get upset about it pretty much the same as him leaving them to go and do the same thing at another team. Yeah, but they yeah. could have controlled that. If the if the Titans had put in a request, they could have been like, no, you're not going to talk to him about the same job. If the Ravens really wanted him. So, so that's my point. My point more is apparently the Ravens didn't really want Dean Pease around anymore anyway. Do you know, Jay, uh, a question for both you guys. We kind of know, for example, you've got your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator of the Patriots, you know, otherwise known as uh, Fluff and Rough. They're off to uh, Detroit and Indianapolis. Uh, but do you think it's time that the NFL said, yeah, let's, let's not bother with all this secrecy and you can't announce things and just, just announce guys when, when the deals are agreed? Yes, I agree. It's stupid to have this secrecy. Everybody knows. And, you know, they, they already sort of did the Find way the with deal. it. Before free agency begins, right? They have the legal, you know, the, the legal mm-hmm. period of when people can sign, but they're not really signed. It's the ridiculous right. thing. Well, it's the same thing with coaches because neither the Patriots coordinators can officially sign until the day after the Super Bowl. Hmm. Yeah. So while they can it's, announce that this is the guy they want, they still haven't signed contracts. So hmm. They can make all the announcements they want to from here to Kingdom Come. They 
I mean, legally is not binding yet. So no, both I mean, parties could you, still back out. What you do, what you do though, uh, uh, James is. I mean, I, I work in contracts every day. What you do is you say, subject to the contract being signed, Patricia is our new head coach. Simple as that. The other thing, too, because you mentioned sort of the backing out, because I could see a scenario if Bill Belichick were to announce his retirement during the broadcast that uh, McDaniels would back out of the Colts gig and stay in New England. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's all been sorted. As I mean, McDaniels will have went to Belichick and said, you know, are you leaving us, granddad? And he said, <laughs> no. And uh, he said, right, I'm off to Indianapolis. They have those conversations, I'm sure. I'm sure they did. I'm sure yeah. they did. Um, all right. The injury report. So the NFL does this on a yearly basis. I brought it up uh, last on last year's podcast as well, where they talk about uh, the amount of concussions and the amount of injuries in the NFL. Uh, that, yeah. And uh, in 2017, the number of reported concussions and I want to key in on the word reported concussions increased 15.6% from 2016. There were 281 reported concussions in the NFL in 2017. That does not include the playoffs. Uh, There were 243 in 2016 and over a five year span, 243 is the average number of concussions in an NFL season. So, I want to key in on reported because it's not that concussions have increased in the NFL. It's just that they're being diagnosed better in the NFL. There's such a hyper focus on concussions in the NFL that, uh, of course, the number was going to go up. True, Pod, but I also feel that as good as that is as far as diagnosing them, the hyper awareness can also be counterproductive, whereas... And I'm, I'm only using this as an example on because it's probably the most well-known one based on the words he used after the, you know, the press conference post-game. Um, the Thursday night game where Russell Wilson gets hit in the jaw and he goes over to the sideline and he sits down and he gets looked at. My only thought process based on what he said post-game was that he thought that someone was going to look at his jaw to make sure there was nothing structurally wrong because he kept winting with his mouth. You know, the referees made him leave the game because they thought he – you know, presented the signs of their concussion. And that's the hyperactivity that you mentioned earlier, hyper-awareness, excuse me, you mentioned earlier, kicking in. And the referees are doing a better job as recognizing players as well, like, okay, this guy's not right, you need to leave the field. But the moment they bring the blue tent up and try to zip it down, Russell gets up all the table and is like, whoa, 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 what are you guys doing? There's nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Where's my helmet? I'm going back in on the next drive. And post-game, you know, he makes allusions to, you know, he got hit in the jaw, which you can clearly see the helmet hit him in the jaw. Now, not to say that a hit to the jaw can't rattle your brain and give you a concussion, but if, I mean, if you, you have two different perspectives going on there, and the hyper-awareness can both be protective and detrimental, because if he leaves the game and it really is nothing wrong with him, yes, score one for being hyper-aware enough to say something doesn't look right, but then say that game turns, Wilson can't come back in because he's in the concussion protocol officially and the game is blown. It turns out he didn't really have a concussion at all. So it, it, it's a double-edged sword, and I understand erring on the side of caution, but the hyper-awareness you mentioned, especially with quarterbacks, 
more importantly, will present varying cases of when they get hit and how they get hit in the head and neck area where a player or a referee will say, leave the field because you look like you have the signs of the concussion. And the player will say, the quarterback specifically will say, well, no, I only got hit in this part of my body around the head or neck area, and I don't have a concussion. So now you have conflicting information going both ways when parties are hurt, questioned post-game. Well, and I think the reason why people have made a big deal about this quote-unquote increase in concussions is because ACL injuries and MCL injuries, which we know have been sort of a point of, oh my gosh, everybody's leaving these games with these major year-ending injuries, Well, there were 54 this year ACLs and 147 MCL injuries. Uh, That number is considered flat from the previous year. So no uh, dramatic increase or decrease in those types of injuries year to year. And it could be that there's better technology now to prevent those types of injuries. Uh, You know, the the turf is a little bit more... um, or is designed in a way to sort of prevent those injuries now a little bit more. But um, I think that's sort of another reason why a lot of people have gone sort of gaga about, oh, there are more concussions in the NFL now more than ever. It's not necessarily the case. Indeed. And to your point, even though the leg injuries have stayed flat, the only hyper-awareness we have about them is when all-star or all-pro caliber players are the ones getting these leg injuries. Now, this stat is a little scary as a parent with a child who's going to start contact football next year. And let me make sure my pink expert is nowhere to be seen as I'm reading this. Uh, 6.3 injuries per game, and injuries are calculated as missed time Injuries, so that could be a concussion, an ACL, um, a anything that keeps broken you bone, whatever, whatever would make you miss time or miss miss time playing the football game. Uh, Six point three per game on Sundays, six point nine per game on Thursdays, uh, which the doctor said that wasn't a st- statistically relevant enough to consider a dramatic increase. Although I would say. Uh, seven versus six uh, yeah. is is one more. Yes, it is. And over the course of a 17-week season with 16 games per, you're talking about 16 more injuries on Thursday night as opposed to Sundays. There you go. And there's only one game. Right. Yep. So 18 more injuries that didn't need to happen because the game was played on Thursday night. Same. It's uh it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to dive into when you break down injuries to mathematical statistics. Uh it can s- sort of shed a little different viewpoint on this game that we love uh and continue to watch even when our teams lose in the Super Bowl, James. <laughs> I can tell you guys uh, you've been talking about injuries there. Didn't hear a word of it. I have been uh, I have been uh, looking down the, each roster for this uh, this uh, fluff and rough uh, Super Bowl. Should we do a special uh, a special edition of Next Fan Up and well, do a I'm, full breakdown of the Puppy Bowl? Is that what I you're think so. I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of few tips here. I, I can see a clear victory coming for Team Rough, and I would say uh, I would say Boomer Petrie. 
and Ryder, they look like they look like pretty hard ass little dogs. And I'm gonna give you Ryder. He's gonna be the MVP in the Super Bowl. Nice. Uh, team Team Rough Crush, Team Fluff. Like it, like it. Love and it. on that note, I have to go. <laughs> James has got to go. I will. I, I oh, I had emails. Oh, I forgot all about the emails. James, you can go. Neil and I will have some fun with the emails. Plus, I am. I, I officially announced my candidacy as an XFL general manager on Twitter. <laughs> I want to continue that candidacy here on Next Fan Up. I will also tell you right now, this podcast will cover both the XFL and the NFL. Now, whether or not Neil and James, you want to be in on the XFL coverage, that's up to you. But I will cover the XFL on the next fan up podcast i'm making that announcement right here right now so in the year 2020 you you have a place to come to get all of your xfl analysis well by yeah, by, by 2020 fine. i think james i think this is kevin's thing isn't it by 2020 he'll be shaving and then i would say <laughs> he'll be ready for the xfl he's kind of gone a bit rogue already so he'll be ready for oh, that okay. crazy XFL. oh speaking of shaving on Monday, when I have to uh, shave off the the playoff beard, I of course will be using the devices provided to me by the wonderful people at Harry's.com. That's right. I will use the non-vibrating handles of Harry's.com. And you can get your own free trial shave kit right now by going to Harry's.com slash next fan up. All you're gonna have to do is pay for the shipping. It's a great value, people. You're gonna get you're going to get the uh, the five engineered blades plus the trimming blade. I can't wait to use the trimming blade, quite frankly, Neil. I've let this mustache really grow up into the nostrils. It's, uh, it gives me that extra little tickle that I don't need in the nose area. <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to say on that at all. Take, take Come on, Neil. I'm setting you up. I'm giving you softballs. <laughs> oh, in any dear. case, I what, I will, well, what, I, what else I love about uh, using the harrys.com slash next fan up uh, trial shave kit is the man smelling uh, the man smelling shave cream. It's so fantastic when I put it on. I don't have to worry about the strawberries and cream that my wife normally buys and that we both have to use because, you know, she's cheap at the grocery store. She won't buy two shave creams. She's only going to buy one. Well, now I've got the great smelling stuff from harrys.com and I couldn't be more excited. Plus, I will have a nice smooth face. I doubt I'm going to see any sort of uh, cuts or nicks from using my Harry's blade. And I'm really looking forward to it on Monday, uh, especially when it's done in victory. Harry's.com slash next fan up to get your free trial, sh- trial shave kit. Now, all you have to do is pay for the shipping. Harry's.com slash next fan up. And Kevin can buy one or get one in the year 2020. Or he can wait, or he could get one now and just hold it until 2020. I mean, I do believe he's shaving his legs just now, G. But- oh, well then. You could certainly you could certainly use it there for yeah, sure. I think so, yeah. Uh emails, nextfanup at gmail.com. Uh I mentioned uh on the last show that I will gladly uh much like last year, I, I made the Cleveland Browns great again, even though the Browns decided not to do any of the recommendations that I gave them to make their team better for this upcoming season. And look look what happened, Neil. They went 0 and 16. They didn't win a single game. Shows they should have listened to me. 
Did you? I, I noticed yesterday on the thirty first of January they were calling that uh, Hugh Jackson Day. Ah, makes sense. Yes. One thirty one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so Clayton has asked, "I'm begging you to make the Texans great again." Podcast is amazing. Keep up the great work. First of all, have the Texans ever been great, Neil? Have the Texans ever been great? Uh, no. Hmm. Don't think one, so. of the, one of the things I'm thinking about, uh, as and I, by the way, Clayton, I will absolutely uh, do this. I will, I will use the Madden simulator and I will be the general manager for the Houston Texans. And I will, I will share all of the results with you on this podcast and also on our website and all of our social media places, uh, facebook.com slash NFU podcast, probably the best place you'll be able to see the results of my general managing of the Houston Texans. One of the things I'll be playing with Neil is trading away JJ Watt. Ooh. Yeah. I think that's a good deal. I think that's a good deal. I think we've seen the best of JJ Watt, but you've got a good start there, Jay. If you take them on, you're uh, you're halfway there because that defense is pretty good. Got a young really, quarterback coming back. It's not a challenge. It won't be as challenging as the Cleveland Browns were. Yeah, I think uh, you need a b- bigger challenge than that. I may have trouble with the salary cap. How much salary cap do the Houston Texans have? <laughs> uh, let me see here. Houston, uh, Houston's way down there. Let's. You got see. No, no first round pick though, have you? Yeah, no first round pick. Uh, well, I will have a first round pick once I trade away JJ Watt. I will get a first round pick for him. Oh, you think? Uh, probably not in real life, but in Madden life, absolutely. Uh, you, know, you could you could have Kevin Costner as your trading partner. Oh, if Kevin Costner was the other general manager, I would absolutely have a first round. I'd have two or three first round picks. Have their, their entire draft of whichever team he was. In. I don't know what I was thinking. The Texans actually do have quite amount of salary cap, 56.6 million in salary cap space. So I got plenty of room. I can make the Texans really good. I'll make them a playoff, if not Super Bowl contender in year one. Would you consider moving the team? Mm, no, I'm going to keep them in Houston. Yeah, yeah. That's that's wait. That's really fictional. I don't, I, I mean, I mean, it's fictional enough that I'm a general manager, but uh Oh, yeah. Let's keep some reality here, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking of reality, uh, Josh, uh, who emails us all the time. Yes. Excellent back and forth smack talking pod Vader that with Donnie Wood, uh, the host of Ring Rust Radio and uh, Super Eagles fan. Uh, I must say Romo was better prepared for calling the AFC championship game. Perhaps he listened to Next Fan Up or skipped a trip to Cabo. Well done, Josh. I see what you did there. I heard him interviewed recently and thought to myself, I've always liked him, except for the fact that he played under the biggest and most televised TV ever tagged by a punter. How long did Jerry let that guy stay on the team? Seriously, how much more nervous would Pod Vader have been playing the Jags with Romo at the helm? I believe Josh is trying to get under Kevin's skin here, Neil. I think so. I think so. But he's also, Josh is also quite right. I mean, <laughs> in that game, in that game, he, Romo was the best quarterback in that stadium. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. How dare Pod Vader and Match Adams say that the team in green is only the Jets or Eagles? Green York, Green Adelphia, Title Town. Go Eagles! Thanks for not letting the Vikings continue. P.S. I'm willing to go toe to toe, arguing about how only perhaps Tom Brady is in the same league as Jerry Rice as the goat during the off-season podcasts. Mm. I don't think that's even an argument that you need to worry about there, Josh. I, don't, I think everyone has pretty much accepted at this point that Tom Brady is the GOAT along with Jerry Rice. With Jerry Rice, yeah, I don't know. I might argue 
I might honestly, I'd put I'd probably put Barry Sanders ahead of Jerry Rice. Barry Sanders. Well, we've already had a whole. Yeah. We had like a whole series on the greatest running back of all time and yeah. couldn't come up with a consensus pick. So you're well, already wrong, Neil. <laughs> but I think, you know, get Josh on. Why not? He's uh, he's uh, he deserved it. My goodness. He's 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 a terrific emailer, don't you think? Absolutely. And of course, if he's still listening at this point, then he really deserves a guest spot on this particular podcast. <laughs> and a medal and maybe maybe $50 Taco Bell, Taco Bell voucher. <laughs> let's not give away $50 Taco Bell vouchers. Let's okay. let's keep that between us. I'm, I'm sure Kevin would like to give him one. So. <laughs> sure. Kevin, it, it'll be out of Kevin's own hard-earned cash that he's saving by using harrys.com slash next fan up. See, <laughs> brought it all around. Thank you all for listening. We will be back again with a recap podcast. I know I will be a part of it, at least a small part of it. Uh, and then after that, we'll be going on a little bit of a hiatus. I know Neil has some plans on a draft podcast, uh, but I myself, you probably won't hear from me after the Super Bowl recap podcast for, oh, I'd probably say at least two weeks, if not three weeks before I'm back on the on the show. Neil, I got a lot of things going on at work. It's going to take you ages to shave that beard off. I mean, well, just, just, just there, hacking yeah. away at it every day. At NFU Podcast is our Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash NFU Podcast is where you can find us on Facebook. Uh, and of course, send us those emails, nextfanup at gmail.com. If you want me to GM your team, I will gladly do it. I got plenty of, I'll have plenty of time during the off season to get all of these things in. I'll, maybe I'll make a special show out of it, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, explaining all of my moves and and why I did what I did and how I made the Texans great again and your team next fan up at gmail dot com. No, 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 so, no, please don't do my team. Oh, we're in enough fun. trouble already. How can I sim Alex Smith? Well, <laughs> I already saw a court. I think Nick said that Madden won't allow that trade. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to have to force that trade and then switch it back so that the uh, computer, I mean, listen, I, I mentioned it before when I did this with the Browns, Madden's not the end all be all. And there are some limitations to using any sort of simulator uh, when you're, when you're doing this particular exercise, but it is a fun exercise to go through and, and sort of look and see how a fan would change their team versus how the actual team will operate. With you, that, Neil. You, well, yes. you, you, you do realize, Jay, that uh, uh, this whole conversation about Madden, you're speaking to somebody who's never actually even seen what a screen of Madden looks like. So I'm very sorry. I feel like I'm letting you down oh here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, you are the oldest out of us all, so I wouldn't expect you to understand what video games are. Plus, you're in that foreign country, like Scotland. Yeah, I mean, they, I'm surprised you even have the Internet over there. Well, we're celebrating getting electricity in this house. Hmm. There you go. Uh, So (laughs) for Neil, for James, for Patrick, for all of our super fans, thank you so much for listening to our show. And here comes Andy Dalton, who still claims that there's nothing between us. There is. And he knows exactly what it is. There you have it. I never even heard his his interview. So I don't know the context in which it was said. I don't know what he said before. I don't know what he said after. So I still haven't seen it. I'm not going to watch. I don't care, you know, but. You know, I've got no ill will towards Jay. There's no feud between me and Jay. I think uh, we lost the game. He said what he said, and you know we're moving on. That's in the past now. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.